We've been in a series called Transformers. We've been talking about the transformation that God has us in, and we defined what being transformed looked like. Simply put, just being transformed, transformation simply means to change, to be changed. And last week, we, we had a great Sunday. We talked about us being in the continuance. We're continually being transformed. I wanted to press pause a little bit. We're going to move forward in weeks to come about the process of that transformation, what that looks like. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to answer a key question, and maybe you can relate to this. I'm going to uh, always do my best to be vulnerable and transparent with myself and put myself out on the line. Uh, I do not like feeling like someone is trying to control me. Can you relate? Okay, so here's the deal. I have to answer a key question this morning that I asked myself multiple times in my relationship with Jesus, and I continue to ask myself, really, and here, here's the question. The question is, why should I be transformed? Are you, are you trying to make me look like you? What's the deal? Like, why is this happening? Why transformation? So we are going to talk about this further in weeks to come. But first, we're going to talk about why needing to be transformed at all. When I was young, growing up, one of the biggest things that I wanted to do and I aspired to, my entire world revolved around becoming a professional surfer. That's all I wanted. I wanted to do nothing more than spend endless hours my entire life surfing all over the world. And one of the key things is is that I would obsess and just spend all of my time, I mean, to the detriment of my education, I would spend all of my time surfing. And when I was about 19 years old, um, at the coaxing of some of my friends, um, I started surfing in some competitions and doing some things. And uh, by the time I was 20, I had become the national champion at my age in, in the entire nation. By the age of 20, I also had started competing in some professional events as an amateur. Newspaper articles written about me. I had flown to Brazil. I had done some stuff on a U.S. team. And uh, at 21, I was now standing in a place where I had become, or I was getting ready on the cusp of becoming what I had always aspired to be. The new season had started, and the first contest of the year was down in Cardiff, in Encinitas. And it was great because that's a local event for me. So I just wake up in Oceanside. I just drive down the coast and contest is there. And I was at that time, coming into that year, I was seated. I was ranked 16th in the world. I was achieving everything that I had wanted to achieve in my life. And in fact, the way that it worked is is that days before I would even surf in this event, there was people who wanted to be where I was who would surf. It was called the trials and they would surf and then they would get into the main event where all of us pros were seated. And I was seated. I would, I would always have to surf at 16th in the world. I would always surf against the number one guy in the world and we'd be seated together. And then there'd be two other guys that we would surf against. I paddled out in the water. I'll never forget it. This was a memory that's like etched into my, into my brain. Have, have any of you ever gone through an experience that it's just like you can today you can recall and it's as clear as day. It was as clear as day. The sun was out. It was beautiful. The waves were incredibly good. And I went out and surfed probably the best heat of my entire career. I beat the number one guy in the world. This guy won't say who it was, but this guy is the number one guy in the world. He's gone on. He's been multiple uh, world champion. He's in the Surfing Hall of Fame. And there I stood. He loses. He's like out of the contest. He didn't even make it through the heat. And there I stood in the parking lot in Cardiff. And I remember him looking at me and he kind of gave me this like, yeah, way to, like, way to go, Pat. 
And uh, altogether, I felt like I was on top of the world, but I became incredibly aware that although I was achieving, and for the most part in my life, I'm like, okay, beyond becoming world champion, I just beat a guy who's legendary in the sport. He, I mean, he's still a massive name, massive brands built around him to this day. And I'm thinking, what more is there? And I, that fast, I became aware of the other side of things and that I was completely empty. I was standing in a spot that I always wanted to be. I was known. I was achieving. I was successful. But I was empty. I was alone. I was highly insecure. And more importantly, I realized I was extremely disconnected from God. Somehow I had lost myself. And I had been changed. You know, as, as I reflected back on that moment, I've, I've reflected back on that moment multiple times. It's not something that I talk about a lot. And people have asked me. In fact, I will tell you that that contest was the last contest I ever surfed in my life. I literally got in my car and I drove away. And I never surfed another event in my life. Because I just, I was like, this is not fulfilling me. And as I reflected back on how I had been changed, transformed, how I had been transformed to this point, how I ended up where I was, I realized something. I realized that I was being changed whether or not I was being intentional about that change or not. We are all being transformed and changed. I want us to capture this. We are all being changed by something and someone, whether we know it or not, and whether, whether we want to admit it or acknowledge it or not. We, we are... We are marketed to obsessively by corporations that are trying to change our image into looking like what they want us to look like for their benefit. That's what marketing is. And I'm, it's not ne I'm not saying that's negative because there's some things that we probably need to like, hey, you should probably be a healthier version of you. So I'm very thankful when those things pop up on my Instagram feed, right? And it says, sponsored ad. And I'm like, oh, that, oh, I do want this. How do they know that? This is creepy. They're listening. You know what I mean? Unfortunately, that's true. So there's some good things, but there's some things that sometimes we end up being changed. But here, here's, here, here's what I realized. That like me, we are similar in our humanity in this, that if you're not taking an active role, this is key, if you're not taking an active role in your transformation, someone has control of it and they are taking an active role in it. You will change whether you attempt to or you set out to or not. That is life. 
So the key question that I, I began to ask myself was who was transforming me, whose image was I being transformed into, and why? So, so if you, who's, who's transforming you? This is the question. Who's transforming you? Whose image are you being transformed into and why? This is now a who question as much as it is a why question. This is as much a who question as it is a why question. I'm being changed. You're being changed. We're all being changed. And we're being changed into the image of something. In Genesis 127, God says this. That the original image that you and I were created for, the original image that you and I were created to bear, to carry, was his. And I had begun bearing the image of something, of someone, of people, that things over a lifetime of accumulation I thought that if I could be this thing, people would love me more. They would accept me. I'd be respected. And there I stood, bearing an image that I wasn't created to bear. God says that I was created to bear his image in Genesis 1.27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Just for the record, he created both male and female to both bear the image of himself. Uh, This is key. Maybe because I'm a father of daughters. He did not create man in his image and and then create women in the image of man. Women are not weaker version of men. Sister said, preach. (laughs) This is important. Sisters. Hey, listen. You were created in the image of God. Men, you were created in the image of God. You both carry very unique character traits of God that you were built and made to carry. This man and this woman, their name were Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, they're walking in this this creation. They're walking in what God had given them. And they allowed God's only enemy, that ever existed, his name's Satan. Adam and Eve allowed Satan to take control of informing them on whose image that they should hold or whose image should hold the most weight and whose image should have priority. Now, now let's talk about this for a second. Images hold weight. Have you ever felt like you get up in the morning and you're just automatically you're carrying a thousand pounds on your shoulder and you just can't live up to all the expectations? I'm here to tell you that the reason is is because you're bearing an image that you were not created to bear. The chief image that you were created to bear would be a son and a daughter of a living God. 
and life and the world has a way of putting things on us. And so I get up in the morning sometimes and when I'm feeling that, I have to go through the process of shedding that to say, no, I have to get back to the original image that I was created to bear. I'm not created to bear that image. And so that's why, that's why sometimes it feels crushing. There are people, and maybe some of you sitting here right now are people that are listening online, that it, it feels crushing, the pressure of you trying to live up to something. And maybe there's some questions that you need to ask yourself. Why? Why am I living up to? What changed? Who's controlling and informing me? And Adam and Eve allowed Satan to inform them that this is what happened. Let's, let's, let's read this very quickly. In Genesis 2.15, just after God creates them, it says, The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and take care of it. And the Lord commanded them to the man, You are free to eat from the tree, from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Just after that, Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent, who is Satan, was more crafty than any other wild animals the Lord God has made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? It's interesting that people that are trying to control our image, let me say this a different way because I don't think it's a people issue. It's interesting how sometimes we get used as instruments of the enemy to have truth twisted, to get us to question our true identity. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. Then she adds this. It said very clearly in two, don't eat from it or you're going to die. She adds, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. If you, just, if you can just become this, Pat, if you can just become this, Jack, Susan, Sarah, Robert, if you can just become this, your eyes will be open to the fact that you are now stepping in to being like God. They're being offered something fake because they were already created in the image of God. Family, you were already created to bear the image of God. There is no one, there's nothing that should have the power to come alongside you and I and try to offer us something else to be God-like. Because we were already created in the image of God. There's no 90-day buns blaster that you can do before summer.
There's no new paleo, keto, whatever diet that you can do to become more godlike. There's not enough bicep curls that you can do, man. There's, there's not enough money you can make to have all the riches that God has. There's no amount of extracurricular things that you can do in your life to bring you more peace than God already has for you. Because you were created in his image. You already bear that. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, watch out. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from, from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? Do you think for one second God didn't know where they were? It's like playing hide and seek with my four-year-old. I'm like, Daddy, count to 10. I count to 10. I'm like, ready or not, here I come. And she's like, okay, I'm ready. Okay, you just gave away where you're at, right? <clears throat> and then I'm like, there's giggling behind the curtain and there's toes sticking out. But what do I do as a good dad? Where are you? Why? Because there's something about there's something about this process. And God is like, "Oh my gosh." And he's saying, "Where are you?" But there's no forest and there's no fig leaf that you can hide and you can veil yourself from God. You and I can bear whatever image we want. We can put on whatever we want, but we will never be able to hide our image from God. I heard the funniest story. I was reading a book. and this, the, the author of this book was talking about how he decided when he was very young to streak. He went streaking with him and his friends. And so what they decided to do, it's, if you don't know, does everyone know what streaking is? All right. So they decided to wear ski masks. Because if there were ski masks, no one would recognize who they were. And he, this guy didn't realize that his parents were at this event. So him and his friends go running through this event with no clothes on but ski masks. And he gets home and his mom says to him, How, what would you, what'd you do last night? <laughs> oh, nothing. Just hanging out with my friends. And she said, oh, really? She's like, how was the ski mask? He said, how did you recognize me? She said, I could recognize your naked butt out of a lineup any day of the week because I'm your mother. Can I tell you something? God can recognize your naked butt any day out of the week, no matter what force and fig leaf you're trying to hide behind. All the mamas say amen. Yep, you're like, I birthed you, I diapered you. Like it, I've seen, wait, I, I know every square inch of that. The, that. This is what the mom said. I know every square inch of that scrawny butt. Okay, so it's like, 
But isn't this what we do? We start bearing the image of something other than what we were originally designed for, and the first thing we want to do is we want to bail ourselves. We're, we're trying to hide. What were they hiding? They were hiding behind the shame. They were hiding behind the shame that they knew inside. So he calls to them, and Adam answers, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So Satan had simply convinced Adam and Eve that they were 100% secure and they were 100% safe if they held their image above all others. And that, that family, that was where they were wrong. In Exodus 20, verse 2, it says, uh, this is when God is talking about the Ten Commandments. You may have heard of the Ten Commandments, pretty famous thing. And in the Ten Commandments, it starts out and says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. It's a bit like that mom saying, I am the, I'm the mother who birthed your scrawny butt. Okay, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. In verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. And then follows up in verse 4 by saying this, you shall not make yourself for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath, or in the waters below, you shall not bow down to them or worship them. Adam and Eve had to turn their backs on their original design of being bearers of God's image, and they had to put their own image above the image of God. And God says, do not bear any other image above my image. I know in my life I am victim to this and I, I commit this more than I want to admit. Here, here, here's, here, here's a way that we know that we're bearing our image above all other images. Have you ever felt disrespected? Do you know why? Because you hold your image higher than the image of the other person. This is a, like this is a massive thing in my life where I'm like I feel disrespected. And my wife likes to remind me. She's like that. Capital P pride, bud. Right. What's she saying to me? Pat, you have made yourself God and you are bowing to your own image. And the Ten Commandments are telling us we should have no image that we bear that is placed higher than the, by the way, higher than the image that we were created to bear and we already have. Ultimately, Adam and Eve became image bearers of Satan. Why? Because Satan became the enemy of God because he wanted to have his image worshipped like God's. And God said there's only one room, one place. There's only one God. I'm sorry to tell you that. Satan's whole scheme is to now get as many of you, your friends, your family, my 
myself, my friends, my family, to bear his image as God's. We, if we are not pursuing transformation in our original design, we are being changed and transformed. And it's not into the image of God. See, in the process of achieving their goals, Adam and Eve, much like me, Adam and Eve were left in the garden behind fig leaves and in the forests and behind a facade. And they were left feeling empty and alone and insecure and ashamed and all too aware of their disconnection between them and God. Maybe you are achieving things in your life. You're making the money. You're, you've got the relationships that really make you feel good, that are pleasing. When you get up in the morning, you're able to make yourself look amazing and you can, you can match the image of what the world is saying you need to look like. And that's pleasurable. Maybe you're winning on all fronts. Maybe you're like A-plus winning on all fronts. You, you're, you're knocking it out of the park, but I'm here to tell you. I know this one thing to be true in our humanity, that if we are not walking in our original design of being image bearers of God, we can achieve and we can be empty and we can be alone and we can be insecure and disconnected. So Adam and Eve, their response was, I'm going to hide. I'm going to veil myself. And I love God because he says, where, where are you? And here they are hiding. Adam says, I, I'm here, but I'm, I'm a bit afraid because I'm aware of this disconnection now. I love God because what God does is he says, I'm going to repair this connection problem issue. I, I, I'm going to repair what was broken. And this is something important for us to know. God, God, is, God is a good father, so he wants to repair what was broken. So God is good. Satan is bad. Let's, let's try this again. You guys were like, God is, okay. Satan is, bad, okay. So here's God, because he's a good father, he says, I, I, I want to correct what was, what was missed. I want to repair our disconnection. And I'm going to do this by sending my son Jesus so that we can return now unveiled. No longer having to hide behind the facades that we put on every morning. You 
Do not have to wake up tomorrow morning is what I'm saying to you. And feel like you have to hide behind anything any longer because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. I saw this great quote this morning. Jesus left the cross empty so that you don't have to feel empty. We get to walk in this freedom now. Where we're not ashamed and we're not insecure and we're not alone. One of my favorite passages in Scripture, 2 Corinthians 3.17, it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, or that word means freedom. Why is there freedom? There's freedom because God can return us back to the state of what we were meant for, our original design, and that's to be bearers of His image. But we all with unveiled faces, no facades, we're not covered, that when you meet me and I meet you, we get to meet, you know, like, like vulnerability is tough, but we, re, we get to meet each other. Have you ever known someone for like 10 years and then something happens and it's like this moment that you're like, I feel like I'm meeting you for the first time. Like all this stuff has been, rem- it, it, it's a really wild experience. I've had relationships like this because we carry around these facades. We bury ourselves in the forest behind the fig leaves and it says that the Spirit of God is here to give us freedom so that we can walk with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. And we are being what? Transformed, changed into whose image? Into Christ's image. From glory to glory, from moment to moment, from morning to mo- from morning to morning, we choose we are being changed by the spirit of God you are being changed no matter what who is changing you and informing you and who is it that you want to be our most fulfilling way that we can live the most fulfilling way that we can live is in our original design state as image bearers of God. God is calling us in this process of transformation. He's calling us like he called to Adam and Eve. Where are you? By the way, he sees you. But he's a good dad and he wants you to say, I'm here. Because he doesn't want to force anything. And God is calling us into transformation because he knows that we are designed to bear his image and it's where we are going to experience the most fulfillment. Let's stand. The question let's everybody just close your eyes. This, this is like and this is kind of a moment of reflection. I, so I'm gonna ask this question. 
Who are you? Who are you is the best question that someone can ask you. Someone asked me that question one day in my life. And what I realized was my entire life I had grown up and people asked me what I was going to be. But they never asked me who I wanted to be. And I began preaching this to myself and I began preaching this to the people around me. Because we will talk about what we want to be. But nobody wakes up and says, you know what I want to be? No one says to their school counselor. No one says to their parent. No one says to their friend. No one says to their spouse. No one says to themselves, you know what I want to be? I want to be a prostitute. I want to be a drug addict. I want to be a drug dealer. I want to be a cheat. I want to be greedy. I want to be a dysfunctional parent. Nobody wakes up and says, that's what I aspire to be. All of us are fighting the disconnection between what we might be bearing now, who we may look like, and who we know we're designed. That's why we all long for this word. We all long for more. But it's not more success. It wasn't in my life. I longed to bear more of the image that I was created to carry. And that was the image of God. Who are you? I'm going to pray in a second. Before I do, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to, I'm going to preemptively tell you next week, I'm going to talk about the struggle of transformation because I, I don't want to present this to you and say, and make it sound like transformation's easy. Because we often see people at a certain period or time in their transformation, but we don't see the struggle that they've gone through. So we're going to talk next week. We're going to get into the real like details of the struggle. And I think it's important that you're here. I think it's important that you hear this. So you don't quit and you don't give up and you realize what that process looks like. And there's some real key things to it. But today, let's, let's close our eyes. Let's pray. Lord, I pray right now that you would speak to our hearts as you begin to inform us. No one else has the right to inform us who we are. You alone inform us who we are. And so God, we open our hearts up to say, God, would you please inform me as to who I am? Who am I? And God, as you begin to inform me about my identity and who I am, God, the things that maybe I'm carrying that aren't for me to carry, that are, that are breaking my back, that, that, that it's not, it, it literally feels like for some of you, I, you're not physically getting up in the morning and putting a thousand pounds on your shoulders, but for some of you, I really feel like there's some of you in, in here this morning that feel a physical weight, even though it's not there, and it's crushing. And I, I, there's freedom for you this morning. Do not leave this place this morning bearing that burden any longer, bearing the burden of an image that you were not created to bear. You were created to bear the image of son and daughter of a living God. And God says that my yoke, that the thing that you carry is easy because you were created for it. You were built for it. If you feel stuck in that, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you. I'm going to ask you. I would implore you to come forward and get prayer. We just have a team of people that would love to come alongside you for the rest of us. Lord, strengthen us as we ask this question. Who am I? And who is it? 
created me to be? What is it, God, that needs to change? Because I'm being changed whether I'm intentional or not. In Jesus' powerful name, everyone said, amen and amen.